0: Hello and welcome to The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your weekly podcast for all your tillage news and advice. In this episode, I'll be discussing potato production with Dennis Griffin, a potato breeder in Chagas Oak Park. I first asked Dennis, how is potato growth progressing and is weather impacting the crop?
1: In general, I think crops are looking very well. They're emerging incredibly fast. Uh, You know, soil temperatures are very, very high uh, at the moment. And I've seen some potatoes that had chits on them that have broken the ground in less than three weeks. Uh, and some of the material I far, some of the crops that were planted in late March and early April are actually even at tuber initiation at the moment. Um, the very dry conditions have given us excellent seed beds, but I mean, a few of the problems that we might be encountering now at the moment are, you know, if people didn't get rain and herbicides were applied in uh, very dry conditions, they might struggle with residual weed control. And also, we're coming up on a need for irrigation at the moment, particularly in crops which are coming up to, 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 to tuber initiation. Although, looking at some crops in the Carlow area on heavier ground over the last couple of days, there was uh, quite a bit of moisture still in the ground. And I suppose the other issue we've had over the last few days is we had a very severe frost about two weeks ago, which would have affected many of the early sown crops and early potatoes, uh, early varieties as well.
0: Yeah, I've seen that frost down this part of the world, Dennis. Is that likely to affect the crops in the near future?
1: I'd say for most main crop varieties like rooster that were planted in late March and early April, uh, I looked at a few crops last night that had been severely affected. Uh, initially with the frost and they had just broken ground and you wouldn't know that they had uh, received frost damage uh, at all at this stage. They've recovered remarkably well and a lot of the frost damaged tissue has disappeared and new foliage has come out. In fact, in some cases, it's maybe evened the crops up a little bit in terms of emergence. Um, I suppose there's a big difference though in terms of physiological shocks for a crop that receives them before tuber initiation and after tuber initiation. So I would say with most of those crops that were planted in April and uh, or late March and early April, it'll have very, very little effect. I'd be more concerned for crops like um, very well established crops of um, British Queen that might have had significant foliage on and, and, and significant tubers under them. If they suffered a lot of foliage damage, damage it will cause a check in growth, which could cause, you know, Uh, internal problems in the tubers or perhaps secondary growth as well you know when that foliage tries to recover and 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 start growing again there will be a check in growth and I think you know once you you have tubers set physiological shock can cause a a bigger problem and I believe the frost was that severe that I mean even in coastal areas there was there was was some uh, there was some frost also.
0: And for those earlier sole months Dennis is there anything that 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 somebody can do uh, you know if it got that kind of a shock?
1: I don't believe there is, to be honest with you, um, you know, because it's 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 largely a damage to the foliage that is there and the foliage will have to recover and, 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 and begin to feed the tubers again. And I suppose it depends on how badly, if the top two or three inches maybe were burned off the foliage, it mightn't be so bad. If it was significantly burnt down, it's going to take a little bit of time to recover. Um, you know, and I don't think that additional fertilizer or anything like that is going to happen, is, is, is going to help dramatically either. Most of those crops would have been physiologically aged. So there's a limit to how long they, they will grow for. I think it's, it's, it's just a case of wait and see.
0: Okay. And you mentioned earlier, and, and maybe this maybe might work into it a little bit. You mentioned earlier, a lot of dry ground and, and, and maybe people talking about um, irrigation. Is it necessary to irrigate the ones we were talking about earlier or maybe potatoes in general where, where ground is a bit dry?
1: Well, I think, you know, 2018 taught a lot of things and uh, I was very surprised at how resilient potato crops that weren't irrigated were in 2018, particularly on heavy ground. I mean, we irrigate in Ireland for two reasons. One is for scab control and the other is for yield. And at the moment, we're very, very much looking at scab control. And I mean, the old rule of thumb was that you want to put on half an inch or 12 and a half mils a week for six weeks following tuber initiation. Now, many crops that were sown in March and early April. Are at or beyond the hook stage or even at tuber swelling stage at this stage and will need irrigation. But what I think growers should do is plan their irrigation very, very close or very, very um, well at the moment. Uh, there's evidence there to say that irregular watering, if you're not able to supply that water every week, that irregular or poor. uh uh, applications of uh irrigation can actually exacerbate scab where you get a wetting and drying effect so i would be inclined to suggest to people you know a lot of growers they know their ground if they have heavy land where the ph is low or similar land that they had in 2018 that wasn't irrigated where there wasn't a scab problem maybe set that aside and focus on whatever ground that you irrigate for the the next six or eight weeks Uh, for scab control to be able to get around and water that regularly and maintain it and and and, and get a pristine crop but if you overstretch i think that 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 irregular watering may cause more problems than it solves
0: okay so uh, but it's not just necessarily about scab control it's also in the very dry soils maybe up around kind of dublin that have got very little water it's it's also about yield trying to maintain that as well is it
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think tougher soils, you know, a land which is a little bit fresher and maybe a little bit closer to grass will have a better withholding capacity. But land that is uh, out of long-term tillage and a little bit tougher is absolutely going to need uh, water at this stage. You know, some of the crops, some of the ground I've seen is heavier and it has a little bit of water still in it. But I mean, if if, if you're not able to make a ball, you know, of, of, of soil in your fist uh, from the drill, that does, that, that, uh, that those crops need water and absolutely yield is, is 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 key there at the moment but it's very much i think about looking at your crops and seeing what the ground is like and where it's needed and prioritizing those fields which will uh, respond best to it
0: okay and um, where a guy is irrigating and he's kind of wetting the soil and he's wetting the foliage and um, that brings to mind blight and um, is that going to um increase the level of uh, or, or the, the risk of blight and um you know is it something that guys should be thinking about What um, whether they're, they're maybe they're, they're irrigating or not to
1: kind of go at it kind of straight away Absolutely. I mean, I think at the moment, you know, uh, we're in very, very different situations in different parts of the country. Different parts of the country, the northwest and the southeast, have had more rain than the east of the country, and there's probably more microclimates. And there's been a couple of light warnings already. You know, crops that are here in the moment, they they haven't reached a rapid canopy uh, development just yet. There's, the, you know, depending on how much foliage is present. I think, you know, if there's a risk of blight, you could consider a protectant fungicide to hold it for a week or two. But when crops enter into that rapid canopy development phase and put on a huge amount of, of leaf area very, very quickly, um, I think, you know, it's important to look at the weather and determine what sort of a risk of blight there is at the moment. Is there any blight in the area? I think cultural control is very, very important. That rapid canopy uh, development phase that we 're coming into now at the moment is incredibly important because it sets the foundation for the entire crop throughout the year, and it 's also that very very rapidly grown tissue is at a very susceptible stage to blight as well and when you 're irrigating it 's changing the microclimate and making the crop a little bit more susceptible or there's more moisture around um, If we do get rain or mist, you know with the heat that 's in the ground at the moment we'll have very we could have very very heavy blight pressure. Um, there's probably not a lot of inoculum around at the moment, but in terms of blight control at the moment, I think uh, guys would want to target um, some uh, systemic products into that early, uh, early season blight control, and some of them maybe like um, Zorvek is one, which is probably the Rolls Rice treatment at the moment, uh, and I think there's two different formulations of that available, or uh, products with propamocarb like Proxenil, um, but it's important with a product like that. It's a cheaper alternative for crops, and maybe could be used with a little bit uh, where the, pl- the pressure is a little bit less. It needs to be used with a protectant fungicide as well.
0: I suppose we don't have to. I suppose egg it in the sense of growers know the fact that um, you know blight control is preventative. It's you know you're, you're if you're chasing it you're probably losing the battle. Um, so guys probably need to start earlier rather than later. And um, do, do they still need in these dry conditions to go uh, as regularly uh, every week or every 10 days or kind of stretch it a bit more than that? or?
1: Well, in can- would, I, I think to be honest with you, it's a case of having a look around. Is there any blight in the area, Walking the crops? Is there any tubers which maybe have come true from seed in the last year which might have a little bit of blight around? You know, where we have very, very hot days, and uh, like we have at the moment, 2022 20, degrees and no rain, there's very, very little uh, chance of blight spreading. But you know, it, it's it, it's something that you're going to chase before the crops really take off. A spray of mancazeb or maybe uh, Sherlan will be no harm to hold the crop uh, until on, until using a more expensive uh, systemic when there's sufficient foliage there to take it. And you know, when you move into that phase, if you were using something like zorvec and the weather is good, you could potentially, I think push the timing a little bit better
0: but again i suppose the uh, again i suppose the advice is to keep keep an eye on the weather and, and, and keep an eye on your crop as suppose to at least the big thing
1: i think you know in in that rapid host phase you're setting the foundation for the whole rest of the year and if you're chasing blight you're losing there's it's, it's life if you're explaining you're losing if you're chasing blight you're losing i think you need to be on top of it in that period and if there's any level of blight protection at all you need to be on a seven day regime
0: okay i just want to switch a little bit dennis and, and maybe have a look at um, seed for a second The majority of growers, I suppose, out there grow a certain amount of seed for their own uh, use. Is there a limit to the recycling of that seed on farm?
1: Well, I suppose Ireland is a high-grade seed area, and we're only allowed to grow basic or white-label seed here. And one consequence of that is that our seed potatoes tend to be of a higher standard than, uh, and, and shorter generations than in, in, in other countries. So for that reason, you know, uh, if you buy certified seed to plant on the farm to save seed off, you can only take one ware crop off of that crop. I suppose if varieties are protected as well, then, you know, there is a farm saved, saved seed remuneration, which should be paid to the variety owner as well. But in Ireland, only one crop can be taken off a certified seed crop.
0: Okay. So uh, virus is obviously one of the big, uh, I suppose, factors there in terms of seed potato production and trying to minimize the amount of virus that's there. What are the types of viruses and what are the most important ones that that are out there guys should be looking out for?
1: Well, I suppose uh, the viruses that we have uh, that we have at the moment have probably changed considerably. Potato virus X and leaf roll were very popular in the past, and we don't see as much of them at all now. And potato virus Y is by far and away the most important, and it's endemic, I suppose, in potato production. Um, And again, the strains have changed dramatically. We used to have a strain called Y.O., which was quite easy to identify. And when we got a primary infection, the symptoms would be very, very visible very quickly. We have a whole range of strains now, and Y.O. is not very common. Uh, there's a range of uh, N strains, new type strains. We have the virus, uh, the tuber necrotic strain, but it doesn't seem to cause symptoms here possibly because of our cooler soil temperatures and maybe also our variety profile. But there's also a number of new recombinant strains which which have come in from Europe. And they can cause yield loss and they can cause quality issues in terms of uh, tuber shape issues and things like that as well. Um, The one thing I suppose about potato virus Y is it's a non-persistent virus. So it's very, very quickly picked up by aphids and spread from plant to plant. The aphid only has to probe an infected plant and probe an uninfected plant to cause the infection. So insecticides are probably of limited value in terms of controlling them. I think the main use for insecticides in terms of controlling virus is to uh, prevent colonization of a crop and you know, uh, actually just retain the aphid numbers at a low level. Um, also, some of the insecticides like pyrethroids, they have a knockdown effect, so they can actually zap the aphid before he can cause infection. Um, but, I mean, the use of insecticides is probably really only warranted extensively in seed crops. In where crops, uh, you know, the uh, accumulation of virus is not as important. You know, it can affect, you uh, um, uh, yield and, and quality but i think ipm standards need to be applied there in terms of watching aphid numbers and walking crops and having an idea to see what it is before you before you would actually use an insecticide
0: the final question dennis just want to ask is is around um you know maybe to follow up to to the viruses uh, and that end of it where a guy has seed potatoes even even if he's only recycled them for for a year how often should he walk the crops and you know or is there a need for walking for walking those crops in combination with his his other agronomic uh, controls
1: do you mean now from the point of view of an IPM or from the point of view of actually rogan the crops? I mean, with seed crops, you know, the most important thing to do, the most, the most important thing you can do to maintain the certification or to achieve certification is to reduce the number of infected plants in the crop. And the only way to do that is, is is by roguing. And I think at the moment, now is a good time to start roguing crops because if uh, there are infected plants, which made it through for last year, it's much less work to take out small plants at this time of the year than before an, infec- uh, an inspection in the middle of July, when there's a lot of, of, of tubers underneath them. So, you know, I think for seed crops, they need to be rogued a couple of times during the week, during the year to ensure that they meet certification standards, not just prior to inspection. Um, but I think it's good practice for guys to be out having a look at their crops, you know, on a weekly basis to see what's happening in the fields and 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 um, if there are uh, aphids present or if there's any uh, developing weed issues or, 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 or bacterial issues.
0: Exactly, and that obviously um, uh, comes into, uh, you know, looking at the irrigation side of the house, looking at the blight side of the house um, and, and, and the weeds, as was mentioned earlier on. Absolutely. Dennis, thanks very much for your time. Uh, we're going to come back to you again uh, sometime later in the year and we'll chat a little bit further about potatoes and uh, breeding maybe and uh, maybe chips as well later on in the season. Thanks, Dennis. Okay, thanks a million, Michael. That's it for the Tillage Edge this week. And my thanks to Dennis for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more farming news, go to joggers.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. and I'll be back next week with more tillage news and
1: advice.